We need to show people authentic self, our real selves, rather than the Instagram moments, rather than all of this facade and just to break through. And sometimes that's hard. In my stories, sometimes I expose myself, metaphorically speaking, within my stories. I want to touch people. I want to communicate, not just the good, but also, but also the struggle. Podcast Junkies, episode 327. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you're new to this show, if you're new to this podcast, if you just found it courtesy of this episode, then I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug you can imagine. Thank you so much for giving us a shot, giving me a shot. I've been podcasting since 2014 and nothing pleases me more than to share the stories of some amazing podcasters that I come into contact with, that I meet along the way. It's been nine plus years. Can't believe I'm even saying that 2024 will be the 10-year anniversary of the show, and that's going to be so much fun to celebrate. And hopefully you'll stick around for that party wherever and uh, however that manifests. If you are a regular listener, then you already know what this party is all about. It's the show where we search out interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows, and sometimes more importantly, whatever else is on their mind. In case you missed last week's episode, I had a great conversation with my brother, Alec Rubin. We connected through the Sacred Sons organization, and it's been a transformative experience for me. And actually, as I record this, I'm getting ready to head out to Convergence 8, which is their annual event in Glendale, outside of Los Angeles, California. At this time, it's looking to be at least 200 to 250 men gathering together for three days. No cell phone, no external substances, just connection, brotherhood, physical activity. And so I imagine, as was the case with my last one, that I'll be pushed to my limits and you'll probably hear more about what's going on there. Just back from my trip to Germany, I host a second show called The Vertical Farming Podcast and it's been an amazing experience the past three years, how much I've grown in terms of visibility for the vertical farming world and doing what I can to spread the word about what's going on there. So I've interviewed over 110 CEOs and founders from the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. And it's been an incredible experience. I went to Dubai last year. And as I mentioned, just came back from Germany, Dortmund, Germany specifically. That was a crazy trip. (laughs) I boarded a plane from Minneapolis to Amsterdam, where I met up with an old friend, then went on to Dusseldorf, took a train to Dortmund <laughs> and then made my, made my way to the uh, the conference. Great, great conversations and connections, meeting some past guests. And then I uh, had to turn around on Friday and come back through Dortmund to Dusseldorf, a flight to France, then connected to Chicago, <laughs> which was delayed. And then uh, to top it all off, my flight arriving into Minneapolis got rerouted into Rochester, which is south of Minneapolis. So that resulted in a two-hour lift ride <laughs> back home. So needless to say, it was a long journey, and I'm happy to uh, have made it back home safe and sound. And now I turn around and head back to the Sacred Sons event Thursday through Sunday. So you'll be hearing more about that, as I mentioned. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking to York Campbell. It's so funny how these connections happen. I was connected through Tim O'Brien, who's a past guest as well, in case you haven't heard that episode, I highly recommend you go check that out. Tim's episode was, as I scroll back here, Tim O'Brien, Timothy Kim O'Brien, episode 314. So make sure you check that out if you hear that reference mentioned in this podcast episode. What I love about this conversation is it's a blend of podcasting, teaching, and hip hop. And it's a fascinating conversation. 
York is the host of Welcome to Earth Stories, and not only do we talk about podcasting, but he talks about how he's been able to build a global audience by collaborating with voice actors on the show. Drawing from his experience as an educator, York uncovers the impact of good and bad teachers, the necessity of patience, and the delicate balance of enabling growth through mistakes while setting boundaries for success. As I mentioned, we take a detour into the world of hip-hop, and obviously that's something that's near and dear to my heart as it's something that is passionate for me because I grew up in New York and I was there for the birth of hip hop. And York shares his roots in music and he reflects on the skills honed during his journey and talks about how they're still valuable today. It's so interesting because we hear about a group that he started back in the day, a hip hop group. So that's gonna be fun to dive into. And then we also talk about a platform that's not been getting a lot of mention. It's died out for a lot of creators recently, Clubhouse, and he's been using it as a platform to sharpen his creative powers. Towards the end of the episode, we talk about the power of art to leave a lasting legacy, and he's encouraging everyone to see podcasting not just as a means of expression, but as a way to create something meaningful that will outlive us. We also debunk this misconception of how others perceive us being important, and we remind the listener that there's more to life than being serious all the time. And anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a period of time knows that that's just right up my alley, because as I get older, I realize I start to care less and less what people think and just speak about what's on my mind and what lights me up, which I hope you can relate to as well. I want to give a quick shout out to the Headliner team. They recently started a new podcast series where they listen to podcasts and then the Headliner team jumps on. I think it's about four or five on the call and they review the show. So needless to say, with some trepidation, I reached out to Oliver and the team there and asked if they'd be interested in reviewing Podcast Junkies, which they did. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes. It's about 15 minutes at the beginning of their podcast. And it was really insightful to hear them give feedback about me as a host, about the guest that I selected, Jack Resider from Darknet Diaries, and reviewing the flow and reviewing the content and the format. I was a little nervous, I will admit, <laughs> prior to listening. And I felt good about the compliments uh, I got. And it's just the reflection, I think, of the work I've put in over the past nine years. So I really appreciate them giving an honest review of the show and I think you'll enjoy it. So please check that out. It's in the show notes and it's a fun inside baseball view of the show. If you are enjoying this episode towards the end and now or even later in the future, please leave me a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I know that there's listeners that have been thinking about doing it, but they haven't done it. What are you waiting for? ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Nothing lights me up more than to read those out on a future episode. And remember, these episodes are chock full of great takeaways. And as a listener, I want you to focus all your energy on our conversation. So don't worry about taking down notes. Rest assured, you can always visit podcastjunkies.com to read the full show notes for each episode, which includes all guest links as well. If you have been dabbling with the new podcast apps that support direct podcaster support and can be found at newpodcastapps.com, please let me know if you are finding value from that. It's the value for value model. And depending on the app that you use, Fountain is one of the more popular ones. You can actually leave Satoshis, which is a micropayment of Bitcoin, as a direct contribution to the podcasters that you love. So if you're doing that, let me know, harry at podcastjunkies.com. I'd love to read out some of those donations in a future episode. All right, before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with York, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. With so many companies starting up in the podcasting space, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to figure out who you can trust and what the company is all about, which is why with my co-founder, Brad Nolan, we've created The Podosphere. 
Think of it as Yelp for podcasters. The Podosphere features all the companies making moves in the podcasting space. In this comprehensive directory, you'll be able to view the different companies by category, rate your favorites, and connect with them on their socials. As you learn more about your favorite companies, you'll also be able to create your own pod stack, which is a feature that lets your fans know all the companies and services that you're currently using to produce your show. For the most comprehensive podcast directory in the galaxy, head on over to thepodosphere.com. If you've been on the fence about getting your podcast started, I have great news for you. My newly updated course, Podcast Blueprint 101, walks you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. And best of all, listeners of this show will get 50% off. In this course, I'll walk you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. In section one, Mindset, we'll talk about getting started, the importance of the right mindset, and how to think about continuous improvement for your show. In section two, we lay the groundwork. We talk about planning your show, positioning it, and how to go about creating a quality production. In the growth section, we focus on where and when to publish your show, how to promote it to the right platforms, and as an added bonus, some specifics about how you can profit from your show as well. I've also included a list of tools and services that have been helpful for me in the growth of my show. So again, the URL is podcastblueprint101.com and use promo code PBHD50 to get 50% off exclusively for listeners of the show. So you're Campbell, host of Welcome to Earth Stories. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure being here, Harry. Thank you so much. I always want to remind podcasters that there's no perfect environment and we obviously had a couple of challenges getting things set up and there's always something going on. I'm on a MacBook, so my something is working over time because it's making a lot of noise. That fan will not turn off. So <laughs> I just want to remind and give some comfort to podcasters who that are listening that, you know, we don't always get the best environments and we just do the best we can with what we have at times. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's a struggle. I totally get it. Yeah. So we connected because I think you found our conversation with Tim O'Brien. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Timothy Kim O'Brien. Have you been uh, working with Tim previously? Yeah. I mean, he's been on so many projects of mine on Welcome to Earth Stories. So yeah, we've been, he's a great guy. He has a really good knack for the whole podcasting field and he's very creative. So I've been on his show on Create Art Podcast and yeah. he's been on my show taking various parts in the stories that I've written. Is, so did you find my show because of his appearance and that he was promoting it? Yeah, I found, I've always known your show Okay, through the years. I've always known that you've been out there and I've listened to episodes, Okay, but it was Tim's involvement. He says, oh, you got to be on Harry's show. <laughs> it was great. And so I listened to the interview that you had with him. And yeah. I said, oh, okay. And so it was really because of his efforts that I'm here right now with you. Yeah. And I think that's another reminder for podcasters. You know, a lot of times it's word of mouth because when you're digging a show, when you find something that resonates with you, when you see a guest or you, you hear a conversation that really connect, that you really connect with as a listener, I think uh, you want to share it with as many people as possible so they can find it. And I think from a discovery perspective, you know, that's one of the main things podcasters think about, like, how am I going to get people to find my show? How am I going to get people? And I think it's as simple as really sharing the ones that you enjoy. And then little by little, one listener at a time, that's how we grow our shows. Yeah, that's what it is. It's all about the power of networking. Yeah. And I always like to say building a circle as well. Because when I started out on social media, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and, and sometimes you may think that, wow, this person has thousands of followers. That doesn't really matter anything. Yeah. You have to build a tight circle and forget about the thousands and just focus on the 10 
And then when that tank grows, focus on the, yeah. on the 20. Yeah. Because you could just easily get lost. How did you and Tim get connected? Well, let me see. We got connected, I guess, through, I listened to his show. And I'm not sure if I called in or I, sit, or I wanted to, or I was complimenting him on, okay. on an episode. I think that's how it was. Okay. I think that's how it was. He was on Great Art Podcast. Yeah. And, and then I said, hey, way to go. Good show. I really like what you said. And then he invited me to be his guest. Okay. Yeah, that's usually how it is. <laughs> I'm always curious because I've heard this stat one time, and I think I'm going to start asking my guests if, if it's true. But I heard you probably can't maintain more than, I think, five to seven was the number of active shows that you listen to at any given point, just because of all the busy things we've got going on in our life. Do you find that that's the case for you? I listen to more than that. <laughs> I, listen to, I listen to too many podcasts. Yeah. Like this filled of so many. So I listen to, let me see, maybe 12. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I have over 200. <laughs> yeah. That's how the show got started. Yeah. For me, because when I, I remember looking at my phone and I consider myself a podcast junkie because I was just binging him. This is when I discovered them in, in 2014. And then over time, you know, some come, some go, some stay because they're friends and I want to check in. So I'm being more selective. Yeah. And even for the ones that I do like, I'm a regular listener for like Joe Rogan, for example, I'll se selectively look at a guest and see if I recognize the topic or I recognize the guest's name. So now I'm being more selective, even with the shows that I love, not to listen to all the episodes of all the shows. I just don't have enough time, but just being more selective about what I choose to listen to. And obviously I'm listening at a little bit faster speed now. The same thing with me. For myself, I was listening to a podcast that was... It's a three-hour-long podcast. Sometimes it goes longer than that. And then I said, wait a second. I'm spending a lot of time listening to these two guys. And I made a decision not too long ago just to cut them out of my life. Mm. Even though I still like them. Interesting. I'm missing out on everyone else. And so as soon as I cut them out, I was able to listen to other shows. Yeah. But And then sometimes I have a guilty. I'm not sure about you, Harry. But sometimes there's certain shows that I like a lot, but then I stop listening to them and I feel guilty. I should be listening to these guys. Yeah. Right? This is my favorite show. What am I doing? I'm not mm. listening to them anymore. It's not because a show is not... Sometimes we just outgrow particular shows. Yeah, yeah. Or we, or we take a break and then we come back a few months or a year. <laughs> sometimes yeah. happens. That's or sometimes never. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sometimes we just, I think for this particular show, I think I just simply outgrow it. Yes. I think that's important yeah. too, because I've, I've seen, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that we do grow and we're maturing as people and our interests change. And so the things that I was interested in 2014, when I first discovered podcasts and I was listening to a ton of shows like Pat Flynn and a lot of other new podcasters. I was listening to Lipson's podcast, every single one, because I was hosting with Lipson and I wanted to learn about them. And that's how I, I discovered new guests. But over time, I think as I'm maturing, as I'm evolving, as I'm growing, I'm, I'm getting different interests and I'm, and I'm expanding and I'm growing. For example, like spirituality is big for me. So just like all these things that are about like raising the consciousness of the planet, like I'm gravitating towards that stuff. And, you know, it, it's nothing against anyone who I used to listen to in the past, but I really and, and really, I value my time more now. And so I'll start listening to an episode. And usually within the first couple of minutes, I'm just like, you know, it doesn't really seem like I'm, it's not pulling me in, you know, and, and I think I'm just being more discerning, which is really important. 
for myself as well, just recently, I became a little bit more brutal when it comes to when it comes to listening to a show. I'm very brutal because before I'll just let a show drain me for an hour or some kind of because I feel loyal to the host or whatever that is. And it, it so there goes my hour, there goes my two hours. Yeah. And what did I gain from that? I didn't grow. I didn't yeah. grow my understanding of God or the universe or the people around me. And I am and so now what I do, just like you, if I listen to a show and if I'm not in it, if I'm not getting it, even though I may like her, she may be my favorite, I'm I just hit skip for now. Yeah. Let's move on to somebody else. So let's and, rewind. And it's good. It's good. Yeah, Go it's good to be brutally honest with yourself. Yeah, and it's a skill that you learn over time and you get better at because, like you said, you there's only so much time in the day and we all, we've all got regular lives going on. We've got families, we've got businesses, we've got other shows, we've got our own shows we've got to work on. And so that window gets smaller and smaller of time that I can listen to and even opportunities too, because everyone's commute is drastically reduced a lot because of everything that happened post pandemic. So that whole experience has been shifted. And so I really find small pockets, whether I'm making breakfast or, or lunch, or maybe I'll go on a walk or, you know, I walk the, the, the dog or, or just, it's really interesting how small the windows I have now available to listen to podcasts are sometimes in the evening, I'll sit and listen to one, but you know, I think we're all becoming a bit more discerning. So it's almost like a call to podcasters to sort of, you know, step up and make sure that the content you're creating is resonating. It's adding value. It's either educating, entertaining, or enlightening your audience. Yeah, exactly. And we always need to give a little bit extra. We could, we can never just call it in anymore. Yeah. Because people are selective and they could feel if you're not giving it your 100% and they'll just move on. And so if you're lackadaisical and if you feel that you just get on the microphone without editing, without having a proper plan in place, then just expect to have a very small amount of people listening to the show because people want information and people want to be entertained or amused or whatever it is. And so we have to provide that as podcasters. I think it's our mission. So let's rewind the clock a little bit. Do you remember how you got started on the podcast path? It was at first as a listener and then eventually as a creator? I was watching Smallville. Now, this is all the way back to Smallville. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I was a big Smallville fan, and I wanted to understand the behind the scenes. And so I stumbled onto it, stumbled onto the, to the whole podcast things, looking at my computer. And then I think this was iTunes at the time. And then I said, wow, there is a Smallville podcast? That's incredible. I heard about podcasting for a little bit, but this is my first time ever listening to a podcast, and it happened to be Smallville. And then I couldn't wait till after every episode to see what those two guys have to say. I said, oh, they're probably going to not like this episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run home to my computer, <laughs> plug it in, and download the file or whatever to my MP3 and see exactly what they're thinking about the episodes that's what drew me into it like these guys are amazing when when smallville was was over or just before i said there must be other people like these two then i started getting involved in 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 technological podcast or tech show all about apple a big apple thing and so what year was this apple oh what year what year was smallville on the air let me think 2005 2000, oh. 2005, I think. 
Okay. Like before 2000. Yeah, around there. Yeah, that's early days because the first podcasts were, I think, 2006. So it was like right at the same time because, it, yeah, it might have been that. So it's some of those very early days, I think, you know, even like, you know, there wasn't, a, there was, it's easy to find shows because there weren't a lot of podcasts back then. Yeah, that's right. And so that's what got me hooked to podcasting and I've been listening ever since. And then when did you get the urge or what was the impulse for you to start looking into starting one yourself? For myself, I've been writing stories uh, for a very long time and hundreds of stories. And I've always thought what I could do to contribute to podcasting. And that was strange because I have like tons of stories. Then my wife said to me, she says, hey, you have a lot of stories. What about if you just Take the stories that you have and figure out how to make a podcast out of it. And the idea was easy. I just couldn't think of it. It was just really her just saying, just do this. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You have tons of stories here. So that's what I did. I took the stories that I had, hundreds, and figured out a, a way to craft it. That was very difficult because I didn't know what I was doing, didn't have the proper tools, no training whatsoever. I just had an iPhone with me and earbuds. And then I just started like that. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone starting out, but that's what I did. And that's, and so I created over 400 episodes at that, around, around, around that time. I had a daily show, which I don't recommend either. That's <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's a lot of work. Every single day I was on the microphone, including Saturdays and Sundays, every single day. Thank goodness for my wife that tapped me on the shoulder and because she, she knows that I'm probably going to have a breakdown. She said, what about if you just do this twice a week? I forgot exactly what she said. I think she said twice a week. But I was, I said, no, I have to do this every day. And she didn't have to do this every single day. You're not probably, you need to slow down because you're going to drive yourself crazy. And she was right. I slowed down the production. I, and I did every two days or every two days or every three days. And then I did it once a week. Yeah. Because we, you need to pace yourself. And so when did you originally start the show? I originally started the show in 2017. Before and it was called Poetic Earthlings. And then, okay. And then I, then I had the name change. What made you change the name? Well, for myself, the name Poetic Earthlings, it was a good name at the beginning because it, Fit what I was going to do, but it wasn't very specific. Some people hear poetic earthlings, they're not thinking of science fiction stories. They're thinking poetry, but yeah. that's not what the show is. And so over time, the name wasn't suiting exactly what I wanted to do. And I think I was losing potential listeners. Mm. And so I thought, well, what about welcome to Earth stories? Mm -hmm. it's a little bit plainer, more simple, but it gets a little bit to more of what I'm doing rather than poetic earthling. That was the name change. For someone that's discovering the show for the first time or who's not familiar with your writing, how would you describe the premise of the show, the content, and, and who the show's for? The show is for people that are trying to think in different ways about their purpose on Earth 
to think in different ways about uh, the, the labels that they're accustomed to, and they want a way to escape the norm. It's mm. people that are into science fiction, that are into uh, uh, tales, but grounded in reality as well. And so this will attract those type of people. The shows are, most of them are brief, but they're also sort of like a mini journal mm. about, about my life and about other people and ways that we could look at humanity in a different way, as I alluded to earlier, rather than all of these stigmas or all of these labels attached. We can look to people as earthlings rather than just the color of one's skin. Yeah. Rather than just the, rather than, than just the title that, that they're using. So that was the idea. So talk a little bit about the production process, how much time goes into each one of these and, and how long they are just for, 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 again, for folks that, you know, getting them interested in the show and then talk a little bit about the work and the creative part that, that goes into creating these. Well, it takes way too long. One of my episodes, my episodes are normally about on average 15 to 20 minutes. But that one episode could take about three or four days to produce from writing it, from the actual production, and also the different voice actors uh, that I have all, all around the world. But normally, w what I do just to start off with, I take out a pen and paper or I go on my computer and I start typing. All right, That's the hardest part, to actually creating the story, not even the editing and the production level. But to sit down and to make a story from scratch, that's very difficult. Once I do that, then what I do is I work on, I don't work on the sound effects or the music. That comes second. So I work on the script itself. I try to make it as, li as lively as possible. Sometimes there's some ad libs because I don't like to read every single thing. All right, the, the stories itself, they are read because it is a fictional story. But that, but there's parts of it where I'm just making things up on the spot. So I go through it a couple of times just to make sure that the flow is right. And then once the, once it's done, once I lay out all of the, the script on the microphone, then I listen back to it and I figure out where the music could come in, to where the other voices, the different actors could come in to make the material even stronger. So work on the sound design, and that takes quite a while to do, five hours, seven hours, just to create that. And then I take everything, and if everything is good, the music, the little sound bites, everything, and then I blend it together. The parts that are hardest to do at times is to wait on files from other people. Mm. That's hard. Yeah. Right? So my friend in England I, if she's working on hers, then I have to wait until she sends me the file or from, for, or a person from Trinidad that I was working with from Trinidad afterward, wait until she sends the file. And it's just a lot of waiting in between. But once it's all there, then I clean up their sound because sometimes they may not be using uh, the proper equipment. So I do have some processes in place that could clean up their sound, make sure that everything is balanced. And then that's where the magic starts, the, the, blend, the blending process. Where did you get the inspiration to put that much production work into these episodes? I got the inspiration from listening to other shows such as Radio Lab, yeah, This American Life, especially Radio Lab, and the way in the way they're, for me they're the gold standard 
of of how to produce a show, how to make it entertaining, uh, the sound effects, uh, the music bed. So, I because before when I started off, again I didn't know what I was doing at all. I just had a I was inside of my closet with a microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was no sound effects, nothing. I I was what they they may have called a purist. I said. They don't need to hear any music. They just need to hear my voice. My voice will carry it through. But then I started listening to other stories, other people, and I said, well, it wouldn't hurt if I put in some sound effects, if I put in some different elements. Much later on, I, I also incorporated different voices as well into the show. So, yeah, that's sort of like the genesis to the show. So everything started with the stories you were writing, which provided the impetus for you to start the show. So talk a little bit about your writing journey. Like, how did that start? And, you know, how far back does that go? That goes far back since I was about 10 or 11. Mm, okay. I've been writing stories ever since then. Yeah. Very primitive writing. But ever since then, I started writing. I put together a book as well, a published book called Universe Splendor. And in Quebec, Canadian, I live in Ottawa, but yeah. so, so that book was published in Quebec. And then I wrote different articles for a local newspaper as well. So my writing journey has been throughout many years and I've changed over time as anyone, as a writer or entertainer, you change, you, you develop and you learn new skills. But ever since I was knee high, I was, <laughs> right, I was writing stories, particularly science fiction stories. What's your inspiration? Where does your inspiration for science fiction come from? Well, I like to say that it comes from some certain books that no one has ever heard before in mm. movies mm. that no one has ever, but I can't really say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like everybody else, Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to give a more, you know, a more cerebral, more scholarly answer. Yeah. You know, to say some strange guy up in the Appalachian so that you've yeah. heard of. But you've heard of these people. So Star Wars, those, those type of movies. That's what really turned me on to writing fiction. And okay. Also, and also other authors such as Francine Rivers that, that does more historical fiction novels. Yeah, pe people like those. People like Steinbeck. Yeah. Rapes of Wrath. Yeah, the classics. So do you remember, did you gravitate towards taking classes when you were in high school or in college or around writing? Like, how did you begin to expand and, and, and improve that craft? I expanded just by reading books. I mm. didn't take a form. I took a, a course that was totally unrelated in college. Yeah. I was in law enforcement. <laughs> okay. Complete, completely unrelated. Interesting. Uh, but I just started reading books. The, the teachers didn't tell me, you got to read 1984. But I, I read 1984. You got yeah. so so certain classics. I just picked up over time and read yeah. through them, watched movies based on books, and started growing from there. That was pretty much how I started. Were you? Do you feel like you were supported in that journey? Because a lot of times when you're first getting started, especially when you start writing at such a young age, if someone's not you know continuing to help you keep that spark going for something that you're just learning for the first time, discovering this new world, being inspired by, you know, sitting in a movie theater and being inspired by science fiction, and then taking all those passions together and trying to see what it is. It's almost like this creative energy is bubbling up inside you and you're trying to figure out where's the best, you know, outlet for it. Yeah. Well, for myself, I didn't get the support when I was young from my family. 
Yeah. So I had to seek out support somewhere else. And within my circle of friends, we were just writing rap songs. I used to be okay. part of different rap groups. Okay. And I was the lyricist. I wrote the songs for them. Mm, yeah. But also on the side, I, will, I was writing stories, sci-fi stories and just different things. But that, I didn't really get anyone saying, oh, way to go. You're keep on writing those stories. Mm. It was only my teacher. At the time. Okay. And so what I'll do she will give me an assignment. she say, I'm going to give you an assignment, York. This is going to be the beginning of the story, and I want you to continue it. Okay. She's an incredible teacher. What's so, her name? I forgot her name. <laughs> you know what? A, a couple of years ago, she's probably in her 80s or 90s now. But yeah. She reached out to me. I was so no. blown away. Oh, wow. I, on Facebook. I've never seen her for like, since I was like 11 years old. Wow. And she reached out to me. And she says, oh, it's good, York, but you're still writing. And we just had that connection. I'm like, oh, oh I, that's amazing. I was so moved because she's the one that when I wrote my stories, she typed it up like the old fashioned typewriter. And then she'll correct things for me as well. And because of her, I'm writing even to this day because she encouraged me. She said, way to go. And probably it wasn't all that good, <laughs> right? But she saw the potential in me. She says, I know that there's something in you and you could do this. So she kept on giving me assignments, writing assignments. And then I wrote them. She typed them up under old fashioned typewriter. Yeah. And so that's how it got started. And that, she was my motivation. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. We think about when we're that young, how impressionable specific teachers are, especially if they see potential in you. And they know how to nurture it. And, you know, we, so many people have talked about how, you know, teachers are one of those professions that so underappreciated, so underpaid. When you think about their ability to have a direct impact on a child's life and a child's future and where that child will go and nurturing talent and, you know, as she did, like egging you on to saying, yes, I see something in you. I see something in you. Keep at it. You know, there's formative years where, you know, if there's no one there to support you and you don't know whether you're doing it right or wrong, you sort of lose your way. I remember a story I may have told previously on the show where I was trying to learn drums and the teacher was like, I think annoyed by the way I was doing it. And he picked up my drumsticks and he, and he, it was showing me, but there would happen to be a knot in my drumstick and he broke my drumstick. And I was like devastated. I think for some reason it, I, I never got a new pair and I never, you know, continued learning the drums. It was so wild, but I was just, it was just very impressionable. So it's, it's very interesting, you know, a certain age range where if you don't feel like you're supported or you don't have the right teacher or a teacher with patience, you know, you can just like, you know, lose that focus and lose that drive. And I've always like appreciated and, and I think I've always had a, a, an ear for rhythm and that's why I gravitated towards DJing and I learned how to DJ on vinyl and turntables in the 80s. I'm sorry, like, yeah, late 80s. But, it, but you know, it's interesting. I, the fact that I'm still talking about it now, I'm 52, and I'm still talking about something that happened when I was a kid, it was just like, it was like a, a kind of a shock to me. To, and that's an example of not being supported. So the flip side is I do remember we would be given like 20 words. I think this might have been probably third or fourth grade, and we would see the 20 words. And the assignment was to write one sentence with each word. But for some reason, I saw the 20 words, and I was like, well, 
why don't I put the whole 20 into a story? And so I would, you know, figure out a way to take the 20 words and I would craft a story. And I remember like, I, as I'm now waking up to doing more writing more as an adult, I remember that experience of like how much fun I had playing with words and just piecing them together. And so, you know, I imagine that's a, a similar experience that you had as well. It is. It is a similar experience. And hey, look at you. We're, we're getting up the hill together around pretty much the same age. But yeah, that's amazing. When you could have a coach on your side that will support you. Now, an unrelated story, unrelated to podcasting, but similar to what you said, there is a friend of mine and an older, much older, we are in the same church together. He's a handyman. I'm not a handyman whatsoever. Yeah. Far from being a handyman. <laughs> All right. And so he paints homes and he's a guy, I, I, I'm not sure, I, I think I kind of looked up to him. And he says, hey, York, you want to go work with me? And I said, me? He said, sure. And this guy was a cool guy and everything. So I, I, I have no painting experience. And so I, I was trying to hold the brush in the right hand. Then as I was painting on the wall, he turned to me, almost like he had the devil in his eyes. And then he just shouted. And I was very young. I was very yeah. impressionable. This guy's an older guy, right? He's a handy, he's a man's man, like a real man that could do stuff. <laughs> I'm a guy that just knows Star Trek and Star Wars. But yeah. he's a man's man. Yeah. And I kind of looked up to him. And then he, when he shouted at me and he says, you're doing it wrong. What are you doing? I froze. All my confidence was gone. My, I was shaking with a paint brush, with a paint dripping on the ground. And I felt like I just couldn't do anything. And those four hours was torment because everything that I was doing was wrong. And that broke me. And ever since then, I don't think I really didn't want to paint. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. So it was just, just that one experience. Yeah. And, and that, and things like that, if you're, if you have the wrong coach, if you have somebody that's kind of toxic or dangerous in your life and that's, and you feel that you can't do anything right, it, that stays with you. I'm almost 52 years old and I'm still remember, still remembering that time. Yeah. It's so important. Like those years, those formative years, as they're called, you know, you're so impressionable and you're looking up to people in the same way you looked up to this gentleman and, you know, you admired him because he was, you know, a man's man or was a handyman and, and things that you wanted to possibly learn. And, you know, maybe he was never taught on how to be a, a teacher. That's why it's almost, you know, so important to remember, like, the skill that goes into being a good teacher. Because not every, all the teachers, even the teachers that are teachers that sign up to be teachers, they're not, just because they sign up to be teachers doesn't mean they're good teachers, you know? And so there's this unique combination of people who want to teach and who have the ability to teach because you have to have a skill set to teach a specific topic, right? You know how to, you have to put thoughts together break them up into like modules so people can easily digest them. But then not the, and then as we've both alluded to, you have to have patience. You have to be patient. And especially when you're work with students, kids, anyone who's learning something for the first time, they're going to, they're going to mess up. You have to know that they're going to mess up. And, you know, it's all these kind of Venn diagrams of all these things that have to come together in a, in a, in a perfect way so that, you know, the, the student and the teacher are, are the right mix and it lights that spark and, and, and then the teacher sees it and they fan that flame. And then, so when it happens, it's really magical. Yeah. And I have a child. Do you, do you have children, Harry? No, no children yet. Okay. I have a son and I'm teaching him to do certain things in the kitchen. I'm no chef. My wife cooks. All right. I just kind of 
make make stuff up as I go along. Yeah. But it requires a lot of patience even to teach our children how to crack an egg, right? And sometimes when he's doing things, I don't want things to break in the kitchen. I don't want things to go wrong. But now I'm learning, okay, I need to let go. And if, and if things mess up, then that's all right. What's the worst that could happen? All right. Yeah. He, he, met, he makes a mess. That's okay. We'll clean it up. Uh, something spills. That's okay. And so as teachers or people that want to be teachers, we have to allow people in our lives to mess up. Yes. To make it. Yeah. And also seeing the world through a child's eyes. Yeah. And an understanding when you're like a child, everything is bigger than life. Adults are bigger than life. You know, you look up to people a lot and, you know, you'll come to find out when you live long enough that you get disappointed a lot. So, but just remembering that kids, you know, as they're learning the world, as they're discovering to your point, you know, they, they, obviously their parents are, are, are a big help with that, but also just remembering that they have a lot of trust in, in humans. They have a lot of trust in adults. And a lot of times, you know, adults let them down and they carry this with the rest of, you know, throughout their lives. So, you know, hopefully as the world starts to awaken and, and become more conscious of, of the impact we're having, the long-term impact we have in our connections with kids, you know, in their formative years, I think hopefully people will become more patient and, you know, guide kids down the right path. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, we need that. Yeah, exactly. Talk to me a, a little bit about your hip hop influences, because I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, because I grew up in New York and uh, just outside in, in Yonkers, New York, and I've lived in New York City, but I was there, you know, sort of like front stage watching the birth of hip hop, birth of house music for myself personally. Like, so it was a really fun time. So I'm, I'm wondering what some of your early influences were. Oh, yeah. I was there from the beginning as well. Yeah. From, wow, Curtis Blow. Yeah, wow. Master Flash, Houdini. Yeah. Uh, one of my biggest influences of all time was Run DMC. Yeah. And so probably a sec close second is, is Cool J. Hello, Cool J, yep. yep. So yeah, I was there from way back then. I remember my brother, my older brother, he got me into hip-hop music because I was just into, I don't even know what I was into. I'm just rock and roll music. Yeah. Uh, just Corey Hart, I don't know, The Police, yeah, yeah. Queen, Air Supply, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just the, those rock and roll groups. And I didn't know a thing about hip hop. And then my brother went to the States and yeah. he got the hip hop gene and he brought it. He took the plane and then he brought, he brought it back. <laughs> and then he said, York, man, I heard something. You got to listen to this. Yeah. Put a record on or a cassette on. Yeah. I'm like, what? I never heard anything like that before because I was into my, you know, my rolling 80s pop. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Yeah. Whatever I was into. Yeah. And I said, these guys are amazing. <laughs> and then I started listening to some more and I started, I started doing freestyle. Uh, back in the day, we used to call it battle raps. So I was battle rapping people at school, different places. And so that was really fun. And so that was the early beginnings. Yeah. And then I started taking a little bit more seriously i started putting together a rap group writing material we went as far as to recording studios we got okay. some stuff played on the radio as well and that was fun i wasn't sure how far we were going to take it there's a lot of different things that happened back then the group got too big 
<laughs> uh, like way too big. Like there were like nine of us in a group. Oh, that's funny. You were the yeah. you were the you were the original Wu Tang Clan then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The original Wu Tang Clan. That's right. That's funny. And it just got too big. And then sometimes, if you're not careful with friendships uh, and money mm. and and a potential record deal, yeah, it could go south really fast. It's tricky. It does because somebody took notice of us. Somebody that's way more into the music business than we all were, mm-hmm. and then he, this person, was kind of floating around the idea of money. He says, "Well, whoever writes the songs, because I wrote the songs, yeah, the yeah, yeah." He says, "Whoever writes the songs will get more of the money," and some mm. people didn't feel good about that. And I was young; I was like sixteen years old. <laughs> yeah, what do I know? I just, I just enjoyed rapping. Yeah, I wasn't really in it to make money, but some people in the group. They felt funny that I was going to make more money than them. Right? So things just went really downhill pretty yeah. much after that. What was the name of the group? I had different groups. I had two hype prophecy. Okay. And then, and then I had deaf effect. Okay. So there's deaf effect. I was just myself. Oh, two hype prophecy. That was with myself and a buddy of mine, just two of us. Yeah. Saying two yep. prophecy. And then there was deaf effect. And that became like the big nine people in the group. Okay. So that became the monster group. Very interesting. Is any of that music still available to listen to? I have cops of it. Yes. For a long time. <laughs> I, they're not, it's not a rotation. You're not going to hear it on the radio. It's not on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. Yeah. This is way before Spotify existed. <laughs> if you ever get it online or if you put it on YouTube or anything like that, send us the link. So we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's an interesting time because, you know, they're like the, when you think about lyricists and rapper, I mean, specifically the people who are writing the lyrics, the people who write it have a specific skill set because, you know, it takes a lot of work to kind of put those ideas together. And I'm sure that that was helpful for you later on in life. And then the people who can freestyle, you just play like a good beat for them. And then off the top of their head, they can just kind of like put thoughts together, you know, thinking far ahead because if you do it well, you're thinking about these complex thoughts and then they have to rhyme, they have to sound together, they have to be in rhythm. And it's just like, you know, they're like, the, I've heard of uh, one of my um, friends, you know, compare them to like modern day Shakespeare, you know, with, with some of the ones who are the best at it. And then, you know, I've been watching some of these new cats coming up, you know, and some of these freestyle videos. And I'm just like, whoa, it just it still gives me chills. Like when I hear like a, a good group or a, a good like freestyle artist just rap all, all over, you know, ad hoc over a beat. It's a unique skill set. It is a unique skill set. I was on Clubhouse the other day ago. By the way, Clubhouse is still around. Um, it is, is it? <laughs> still exists. I was okay. there. I saw it, even though yeah. no one was talking about Clubhouse. Yeah. But so I go on Clubhouse, and sometimes I go into the freestyle, freestyle rap sessions. Okay. And so people are dropping a beat and passing around the microphone, virtually speaking. And yeah. Then I, and then I come on. This nice. new man. This new man. <laughs> well, they don't know your age, so. No, they don't. There's a still picture of me, <laughs> but they don't know my age. But there, you know, there's a, there's these younger guys, and I'm doing my little raps. Yeah. Um, but it's cool because I'm, I'm listening to them, and it helps me to grow. Uh, not because I want to be the next the next Drake or anything. Yeah. But but it helps me to grow in my stage performance. It mm-hmm. helps me even in writing stories in the podcast. Mm-hmm. To thinking thinking really quickly on your feet yeah on my feet that's what i wanted to say on my feet 
And so they helped me, these young guys that were, that are rapping on Clubhouse. Very interesting. Yeah. There's different skills that we could put into place and to help us in our careers and to help us in being a better pod, better podcaster. Send me that link to Clubhouse. I haven't been to Clubhouse probably in, in about a year. It was obviously big post-COVID and I was jumping on. But I always thought it was an interesting space for freestyle. And I think I jumped on a couple of those early on because I think the format of it lends itself well to that kind of like freestyling and with people from all around the world. So I'd love if I can find the time and if it matches up with my availability, I'll, I'll definitely jump in. Yeah. And uh, depending where I'm at, I may try to jump in with a, a rhyme or two as well. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Uh, sure. It, it, it helps. And, and sometimes I'm in rooms that were, it's all poetry room. Mm, so okay. some, sometimes I do freestyle. I'm known on Clubhouse as a freestyle poet. Okay. So they give me a topic. They give me anything. They just throw something out. And then I just make a story on the spot or a poem on the spot. Okay. Is it uh, Poetic Earthling on Clubhouse as well? Yeah. And now okay. I changed the name to Welcome to Earth Stories on Clubhouse. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll check this out. So uh, a couple of questions as we wrap up. Uh, thanks for sharing your very interesting story, your background. I think it's super inspiring to hear about all the different ways and all the things that have inspired you to get to this point. And, you know, a lot of times regular listeners will just know you as the podcast host, but they don't understand like all these things that have, you know, been a p- an important part of your life and have like shaped you and, and given you this inspiration and then provide you with this unique voice and this unique uh, background and, and life experiences to get you here. And that's really what colors and enhances, you know, what you're providing on the podcast as well. So I appreciate you sharing all that. What's the, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Well, recently when I was working on my episodes, I came to a point where I said that what I'm doing is not just putting out MP3 files, but mm-hmm. creating art. Yeah. Now, this may sound kind of lofty, but I had to take a look at it. And I said, well, that is true. Because the things that I'm doing on my show is an art form that goes in with it. And once I started to see that, it changed everything. It was like a light switch, like a spiritual light switch yeah. to say that what you're doing is more than just creating files moving things around, cutting, pasting, and editing, whatever it is. But you're creating something that you can even pass down to your son. When he gets older, he can listen to his dad from way back then. It's something that you're giving to other people. You're giving it, I'm giving my talents away to, for other people to hear, to listen, so that they will be inspired to grow in their walk with God or to see the universe in a better way or to help their fellow brothers and sisters, meaning earthlings, so that they could treat each other better. So that's something that was a mind change. And I'm grateful for the mind change because now when I go into the studio, when I produce the things that I'm producing, it's for a more more noble purpose. Mm, yeah, I love that. I think a lot of what we're seeing now is in the world, especially with the with people who are in the podcasting spaces, this archival quality and this archival aspect to what we're creating. You know, obviously, as a child of the '80s, we still have some stuff on cassette deck or VHS tapes, and that we've got to go hunt through. And I'm sure you know people have, have been doing that and going through their parents' archival footage and stuff. But I think 
they're more readily accessible now with podcasts because basically, you know, we're leaving this trail this for the, the future generations and possibly for folks in our family as well to have those memories. And, you know, obviously it's memories that anyone can listen to, but it, there's something there about being able to hear and like, you know, if it's going to be like your siblings or your parents or your father or your mother, like who's recorded podcasts from years ago. And it's, there's something interesting about, you know, leaving that behind for future generations. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is. There is something wonderful about it. Yeah, I love it a lot. What is the most misunderstood thing about you? I think the most misunderstood, and this always bothers me, even to today, this always bothers me when I go to work and when I do, when I'm out with, with people, they say, oh my goodness, York, you can actually smile and tell a joke? That, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not yeah. always serious. I don't always just talk yeah. about theology or other deep things, I could have fun. And, and my son the other day ago, or today, he says, oh my goodness, dad, you actually laughed at one of my jokes. And then sometimes <laughs> he says, dad, you're actually having fun. Mm. I'm having fun. I'm a human yeah. being. Dad, I'm having yeah. fun. Yeah. Sometimes, yes, I could talk about deep things and what's going on around the globe yeah. and, and meta metaphysical things or whatever. But I could also watch Seinfeld and laugh at Seinfeld. Yeah. I think people think that I'm trapped inside of a library and I'm just reading books and not listening to hip hop because I'm too good to listen to it. And I'm just listening to classical music as I'm reading quotations from generations ago. And that's all that I do. So that's the misconception. So well, hopefully you can play them this episode when it goes live and they'll learn a little bit more about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, York, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate you being a, a listener of the show. I, as, as a podcast host yourself, you know, I'm sure you can relate to the fact of, you know, looking out and for every opportunity to see who's listening to the show, where they're listening from, how they found the show. So I definitely appreciate the time you've put into listening to, to the, you know, the, the episodes that you've listened to of my show. I really am, am uh, excited to share your story. I think it's really inspiring. And I think more and more people will learn about what you're doing through this episode, which I'm, I'm glad about. So I'm just really appreciative of you spending the time and talking a little bit about, you know, your inspiration, because it'll inspire someone who may have an idea for a podcast. And, you know, they may not have had your, your lived experience. But I think what's interesting is all these little things that have happened in, in our lives and how they've made us and formed us into these human beings. And I think to your point, like we're all on this planet together. And, and I really have been talking about this a lot in my writing. I'm on threads now, and I'm talking about this on, on threads because I love it that it's a writing platform that we're all on this journey to share our stories, the good, the bad, you know, the, the pretty and the ugly, because, you know, it's not all Instagram moments and we need to show them because there's someone watching, there's someone listening, there's someone reading that is going to feel like, oh, that's exactly like, I'm going through that. And that's something that I experienced, or that's something that happened to me. And, you know, it's helpful. And, and just kind of tying this all back to like your earth stories that we're all going through this journey together. And, you know, to, and the more we can share these stories with people, the more they'll, they'll inspire them to do good things with them. Yeah, right there, Harry, you said it all. That is absolutely true. And we need to show people authentic self, our real selves, rather than the Instagram moments rather than all of this facade and just to break through. And sometimes that's hard. In my stories, sometimes I expose myself, metaphorically speaking, within my stories. I want to touch people. I want to communicate, not just the good 
but also, but also the struggle. Yeah, the uh, real. Because that's what connects us all. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate your time, York. The, the website is welcometoearthstories.com. Anywhere else you want to send folks to connect with you? The main website, welcometoearthstories.com. That could connect you to my Twitter account. And stay tuned. There is a spinoff show coming out very soon, and that's Experimental Stories. Okay, that'll be interesting. And, and so when you publish that, give us a heads up and we'll share it on our socials as well. Thanks again for your time, York. I really appreciate it. Oh, Harry, you're an, you're an amazing earthling. Thank you so very much for this. Always appreciative of my guest's time. I never take that for granted. I know an hour is valuable time, and I'm so grateful they were able to come on and share their journey with you. As a reminder, if you are ready to get your podcast off the ground and don't know where to start, sign up for Podcast Blueprint 101 and use promo code PBHD50 for half off the price. For a complete picture of everything that's happening in the world of podcasting and all the companies making moves, visit thepodosphere.com and create your own pod stack today. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Visit fullcast.co and click the play button to learn the five pillars of a successful podcast that every business owner needs to know prior to launching. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this show or past episodes, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and I'll be sure to read those out on a future episode. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Visit cedarsoil.com for his full catalog. Tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating podcaster as we dig deep, learn about their show and what makes them tick. Thanks for all you do to support this show across all our socials. I truly appreciate it. Talk to you next week.